episode 58 with Joy Walker on the Nine Point Start the Dream podcast. Welcome to Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. Coming to you from a nice, hot Phoenix, Arizona. This episode, we have Joy Walker, or we're going to say Coach Joy Skywalker. And and she just is like a very just chill and down-to-earth person. And you can just tell by her story that it's not about her. You know, that she started this journey of trying to figure out who she, who she is. And now she wants to give back to athletes, kind of help them figure out who they are once the ball stops. And... It was just a chill conversation with her, just about her journey through the thing that she battled, you know, from the lifestyle at home to to trying to figure out life after after, after basketball, through going through corporate America, to working to me in job, just trying to figure out that next chapter. So, great episode here with her. You'll love her journey, you'll love her advice, and hopefully you really gain a lot of value from it. So, let's get to it. So, Joy, the question that everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, What's one of your bigger dreams and goals you want to achieve? Oh my goodness. I just had this this dream, this vision of of playing division one basketball. That was all that I ever wanted to do. That's what I was obsessed with. That's what I worked towards day and at night. I would dream about it. I mean, I slept with the stuffed basketball. It was pretty bad. But it, it was just, it was really consuming and it took up my thoughts and everything. I just had to play division one basketball. So for you, kind of, like, we all kind of have this D1 dream. That, like D1 is like the the epitome of what we want to achieve, you know, as a young athlete. So for you, why D1? That was what I saw advertised. Um, I came along at a time when Tennessee was just rocking and rolling, and that was the place to be. And I remember being in fifth grade, and my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Todd, I used to beat up all the boys I could at recess. And he said, Joy, you know, you're pretty good. Have you ever watched Tennessee women's basketball? And I was like, well, no, I haven't. I mean, he said, well, they play this Sunday, you know, afternoon or evening, and you should check them out. And I remember my first time watching them play because up until then I just watched the NBA and I hadn't really taken the time to to seek out or to find people who looked like me you know who were playing and I remember after just watching them play that really just it just sent me down this path like I said I guess it was what I saw so that was really really what I had in the back of my mind I have to play division one basketball and what age was this again like was it fifth grade you said yeah fifth grade yep fifth grade so, so as, as a fifth grader, you have a dream of, you know, D1, you know, Tennessee, you know, high, high profile basketball. How did you think I'm going to achieve this dream? Just by putting in work and just by staying in the gym, I definitely did not grow up in ideal circumstances. So on top of really wanting to play D1, basketball I always saw it as my way out of St. Louis I saw it at and even when I was playing it was almost like I heard another person talk about you know when we're playing when we're practicing we have in this built-in therapy session practices like from one to three when you're in college and I have this built-in just this escape and for me basketball was a way to really just not only go to college and fulfill my dreams but just to really get out of my, my current circumstances which like I said were not ideal at all 
so kind of going on that so i know for, for me i was in the same boat you know like like for me sports was like my like like it was, it was like it was like my my getaway in the sense of i had confidence because i knew i was better than most people when it came to my sport so for you circumstances that you kind of dealt with was it almost as in when you're when you're when you're in that hour it's just like the world was perfect Absolutely. It was, like I said, it was just my way of escape. It was my way to get away from reality. And a lot of the praise that a lot of kids might receive at home, I didn't get that. So I got it on the court. And when I was on the court, that's when I felt like I was special. And my coaches would pour into me. And I remember my, you know, my teammates, parents talking about, oh, you know, you jump so high. Are you do this? Are you rebound? Well, my very first basketball camp. I can't, and it was my first time playing organized ball, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But I came away with a trophy that was chairman of the boards. I just had a natural knack for just going and rebounding and finding the ball and securing the ball and just getting my team extra possessions. And like I said, when I was on the court, that was where I got that praise that as kids, you know, we longed for. People told me that I was special, you know, that I had a bright future. And you can get addicted to that attention. And you don't really realize it as a kid, but now as an adult looking back, I'm able to see why I took basketball so – I mean, a lot of kids just play because it's fun, but – from the time I started playing, basketball was my job. That was my life. I took it serious, and I, I wanted to be on that court 24-7. Hey, Kawhi Leonard said, board man gets paid. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. I think a lot of kids – like, I think it's so true what you said about the whole, the, like, the, the praise. We, we – once you get it, just, like, you, you start – it's like the ego just, like, says oh, yes. more, more, more. So for, so for you, like, just knowing where you wanted to be, did the praise ultimately kind of give you that extra confidence to, to know that you're on the path to achieving that dream? Absolutely, because the more I listened to my coaches and the more I got in the gym and the more I put in work, the better I got. And it turned, and I definitely wasn't the best player on my first AAU team. And I just, like I said, I just stayed in the gym. I kept getting better. And I was able to realize that, and it it got, it was, like I said, it was like a drug. And it really got worse to me because the better I got, you know, the more attention I get from college coaches and the more, and, you know, in classrooms, you might have the the teacher's pet, but I was like the coach's pet because I was, I was going to go hard. I was going to do what, what coach asked me to do. And it just, it just continued to grow and to grow and to grow. And like you said, it just kept feeding that ego that I had. And, and so you say you, you, you didn't have the ideal home circumstances so was your family supportive in the dream or is it almost just like it was you to go it was on you to go get it you know it it was it was an interesting situation my mom was a single mom so she worked really really hard and she made as many games as she could but she was a dancer so she had no idea what to do with this daughter who wanted to play basketball she never played a sport in her life so she was definitely as supportive as she could be but my dad wasn't around and I was sort of thinking about this the other day and it was and it's so funny how we go through certain things you know as teenagers or young adults and we're just so locked in and focused that we don't really we don't really take the time to realize that our situation isn't normal. So I literally played four years of college basketball, won two championships, played D1, did all of that. And 
my mom had gotten sick at that point, but I played four years of college basketball and never had either one of my parents at a single game. Wow. That was just, that was just my situation. And I don't think that that was the case for any of my teammates. I remember being, uh, playing for South Carolina state and we would go up to Baltimore and down to Florida and all over the country. And I would see, you know, my teammates, parents at every tournament at the, and I'm like, how do they even do that? But I literally played, like I said, four years of college ball. I had senior night, all that stuff never had. Now my grandparents thankfully were able to come, but never had either one of my parents at a single game after four years of college ball. And it wasn't, it was, it was, it was definitely on me. <laughs> the dream was definitely on me. Hey, you, you made it happen. Yeah, I had to. I had to get it done. I had to find a way. And just kind of on on the family part, what was it? Was it almost because they didn't understand your dream, the, the and didn't know how to support it in a sense? Well, like I said, my mom came to a lot of a uh, lot of high school games, a lot of AAU tournaments. She had gotten really really sick when I was okay. in high school, so she like physically couldn't come. But my dad and I just didn't really have a relationship at that point. Hey, I know I know the feeling on that though. You know. My dad, yeah. was, my, my dad wasn't my life at all either. So like, I, like you know, like mom, mom, mom was at every game, but my dad yeah. never show up. You know, so I think for you, was it almost like I want to make this reality because because I, I want them to know that or want him to know that I did this without you type stuff. I don't ever think it was an I did it without you. I think it was, like I said, that was a place where I received praise. You know, as kids, you know, you can act like you're upset and all that other stuff but you just you really you long for somebody to tell you as even if we don't want to admit it you long for somebody to say good job joy or i'm proud of you and because i got that from my coaches and i got that from my teammates trainers whoever i just was addicted to playing basketball to getting better and like i said when i was on that court i didn't have to think about some of the stuff i had to deal with at home like not having a relationship with my dad or you know my mom being really really sick i would literally get out of you know uh, a game or practice and my teammates would be checking their phones and seeing if boo texted them or whatever i was checking my phone to see if my mom was in intensive care or if she was oh. back in the nursing home, or if she was back in the hospital. So I just had a whole lot going on. And basketball, it was just, it was my escape. And when it was over, I think that's why it was so tough, because suddenly I had to deal with all of this stuff that I had never addressed up until that point in my life. Before the, the game ended, like before you're done playing college, what, 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 would you, what was like your thought process on what would be your next step after the game is? I really, really wanted to play overseas. Um, I knew I wasn't going to play in the WNBA. I wanted to play overseas, but I had this really, really, I was an accounting major, so I had a really, really good accounting professor. And because I sort of knew, I wanted to go pro, but I knew I wasn't going pro, but I had a really good accounting professor and he happened to be a tax attorney and a CPA. And he really took me under his wing. I really enjoyed his classes, even though they were the hardest classes I ever took. <laughs> but I sort of wanted to follow down his path. And I talked to him about law school and about getting my CPA license. So once I finally, I went through this dark stage of like not being able to find a job and all that. So, but once I was able to bounce back and get a job, I did create a vision for myself. I had this great five-year plan where I was going to get my master's in accounting, get my CPA license and become a tax attorney but if you ask me today i'm not a tax attorney and i don't have my cpa license so you see how that turned out <laughs> hey, hey the numbers man like the numbers is rough <laughs> I, I had an accounting class and i was i barely made it it was 
<laughs> it was it was a close call. Yeah. Uh, so I I get it for sure. So so just going on like for you, early age, the the identity was joy, the basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know. So how did you start figuring out the other pieces of joy? Did you are you or did you always kind of know who you were? You know, I have this, I've talked about it before in some other interviews, and it was it was my freshman year of high school, and we were doing some warm-ups, you know, just going back and forth down the court, and I literally, on accident, jumped up and grabbed the rim and pulled it down. And I was like, whoa, is this, like, not regulation? What happened? And from that day going forward, my coach called me Sky, and my last name is Walker, so it just kind of fit Skywalker. And... <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty cool nickname. I actually got it tattooed on me, but that's a whole nother story. We'll talk about <laughs> that later. But, but I was just so used to being Skywalker. And, and like I said, I would literally eat, sleep, breathe basketball. I lived in the gym and I never really took the time to get to know Joy. So once basketball was over, I definitely did not know who I was. I had no clue who I was. All I knew how to do was to put that ball in the basket. And if you asked me to do something else, I would look at you and I would just be stuck because all I knew how to do was hoop. And that's all I wanted to do was play basketball. And can I tell everyone around you knew you? Right. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, especially like my, you know, my grandparents and were like, oh, this is your little basketball player. Like that was, that was me. That's who I was. That's what I did. And so I know from my, my, my own experience that there comes a point where you, you, you hit, you, you, you hit something that, that makes you have to figure out who the rest of you are. Like I was talking to this one, 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 one interview with, um, her name was Christy uh, Papetti and she's like a life redesign coach talking about how she had a point where she had to really like figure out who she was. Cause it was just like, it was like, they were like rock bottom in a sense. So for you, when did you hit, when did you hit a point where he's like, I had, I have to figure out who I am outside of the game. Uh, talking about rock bottom. So in order to really, really avoid what I needed to face, I just ran like a chicken with their head cut off. So I graduated in December. And once I graduated, I was, volunteering at this college as a coach and I was working overnight at FedEx and I was really really busy I was on the go 24 7 and then the following semester I went to grad school and when I was in grad school I worked part-time I had an internship I was just on the go constantly so my graduate program was only one year so I was a year and a half out of undergrad at this point could not find a job to save my life. Ended up having to move back into my grandparents' house. So I'm in the basement, on the couch. And that was the first time life forced me to hit the pause button because I was just on the go, on the go, on the go. And not even being intentional, but just trying to fill my schedule just with any and everything. And I got to a point, like I said, I had my master's degree. I couldn't find a job. So I have all of this extra time now that I didn't know what to do with. And that is when I finally, I remember literally going and looking in the mirror and saying, okay, Joy, you are not a basketball player anymore. Who are you now? And I I didn't have any answers, but that was the first time I just took the mask off and said, okay, we got to try to deal with this because that basketball, playing pro, getting drafted, that's over. That's not going to happen. So you got to really, really figure out what's next. Uh, Oh, and it it, it hits you hard too because you're you're ready for it sometimes. 
it comes it could come from like when you're like really like not ready for it <laughs> yeah and you're just left there just like it's almost like that sunken place where you're just like wow. in the end in the air just floating trying to grab something but there's nothing around you yeah that's real that's real and so so for you when when it came down to just saying all right it's time to figure out who i am how how did you go about figuring out those pieces i think i did it all wrong at first i think that because of what we see in the media or maybe what we're taught maybe how we're conditioned we think that who we are is tied to our title what we Mm. do our occupation and I, for so long, I was a basketball player. So after that, I was like, okay, well, let me get serious about this CPA and taxes or anything. So I took the LSAT. I was working in an accounting firm and it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't it. So I literally hopped around from job to job to job. I, every time I looked up, I had a new job. I was trying to find myself in different work. forms of work and that just didn't work out. And I think that's what so many of us try to do. And we never really take the time to ask the really important question and that's why am I here what is my story what have I gone through what experiences do I have how can I package those together what what lane what what avenue do I need to go down and how can I find a way to serve other people because I I think if I would have maybe stayed in in corporate and climbed that ladder and done some other things I just would have I would have been miserable like I was when I was there and I think that like I said so many of us try to just say oh we need and we need to get a job I need to do this I need to if I make this amount of money I'll be happy but until you really figure out why you were put on this earth you're gonna be searching and searching and searching and everything that you come up with is gonna be a substitute or a temporary feel and it's not gonna be that it it's not going to really really satisfy you in the way that you think it is facts right there it's almost just it it, it, it just it's just like a band-aid for yeah but you need stitches oh that's real you need <laughs> you need surgery and you're trying to oh it's okay i'm just gonna slap a band-aid no that band-aid is not good enough i, I was the worst at that like i like i always thought you know i can work through it you mm. know like you know and as athletes that's how we that's how we're conditioned you know, we're conditioned to just just keep working, just work hard, put some dirt on it, keep going, get back up and fight. But sometimes we need to sit in the film room and like turn the lights out and push play and push pause and rewind. And we can't just go, 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 go. We need to, to study. We need to be a student of life the same way we were a student of the game. Some injuries eyes can't fix. Oh, that's real. You can't put ice on everything. <laughs> <laughs> they always try to like yeah get some ice and just like yeah okay coach <laughs> yeah that's 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 fire so so for you like 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 right now if i said joy if you had a, if you had to describe yourself in like five words what would you say five words wow or like or like five adjectives describing yourself i would say inspiring caring that's tough. And I, I think that I think that it really all comes down to inspiring for me. That's what's most important. And not in a old like lofty type, but just in my everyday interactions. I I wanna leave people with something positive. I don't care if we talk for 30 seconds or if we talk for an hour. I am really, really at a point in my life where I can be more transparent and being able to work with student athletes every day is 
incredible because at 18, 19, 20, you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to figure things out. And if I can just pour into the next person or maybe it's one of my friends or whoever the case may be, I want to, when you get done talking to me, I want you to feel a little bit better about yourself and about your situation. Love it. Be, Be a light to somebody. Absolutely. I love that. So, so, so knowing that like you want to inspire, right? So when you kind of figured out your, your, like who you were a little bit more, how did you say, I'm going to go about inspiring people if it's not just like through my work or, or, or through my title? The first step for me was something I thought I wouldn't do until I was like 40 or 50 years old was writing my first book. Okay. It was really sitting down and telling my story, telling the good, the bad, and the very ugly, not being ashamed, not holding back, and just just telling my story, talking about falling. My, my mom tells this story over and over again when I was a baby, like eight or nine months old is when it started. She would sit me down in front of the TV when she would, you know, go wash dishes or something like that. And she would flip through the channels and try to find something for me to watch. And if she tried to flip past a basketball game, I would literally throw a fit. And I'm eight or nine months at this time, can't walk, can't talk, can't articulate my love for the game. But ever since then, I have just been drawn to it. So I, re- I started there and I talked about, you know, elementary school and AAU and high school and college and just trying to figure out what's next. Because once I left corporate and got into coaching, I saw that the cycle repeats itself. And I went on Amazon and I ordered books and I read this and I read that and I couldn't find anything that really, really spoke to me. And it hit me one Saturday afternoon. I'll never forget it. And I was like, wow, maybe nothing is really resonating with me because I need to tell my story and people need to hear my story. And that is where the the inspiration and really wanting to pour into other people, that's where it started for me. So what's that book called? It is The Sweet Spot finding purpose in life after sports and I talk about when I was playing my don't ask me why my sweet spot was the left elbow if you get me on the left elbow I and you give me a good look coach knew it was going in I knew it was going and I would just run back down the court like that was my spot (laughs) and we we know because we study our games we know where we're good we know what our weaknesses are we know where our sweet spots are on the court or whatever sports you play you know where you can really really stand out what your event is or whatever we have to take the time to find our sweet spot in life. So that's how the, the title sort of came about. And that's what the book is really, really all about. How can you take this amazing experience that you had and use it and really, really find purpose outside of basketball, football, track, or volleyball, or whatever sport you play? Uh, I love that the sweet spot. So it's on Amazon, you said? It is. It is. Yep. All right. The sweet spot. So you were like, so you, you were like, um, up Tim Duncan on an elbow. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not a Tim Duncan fan. Let's go with Kevin Garnett. Let's go with KG. Oh, okay, KG. I respect that. <laughs> a little bit more swagger to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He got the swag. He got the mid range game. I, I love myself from Kevin Garnett. Okay, KG, KG status. All right, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, you know, you got this book, and you're, you're, you kind of, you kind of, we kind of gave yourself a clean slate now kind of you kind of you kind of put all your stories out there so now you have to re kind of live life now to kind of create new ones so how did you go about this next phase of joy 
the next thing after the book was my podcast. I understand, and I'm a big reader, and I wish that everybody was a big reader, but I understand that everybody doesn't read. And I think, as you know, another great platform, another great medium is audio. And I think that it was so important for me to start a podcast and not just tell my story, but bring on incredible guests who have incredible stories because so many athletes have similar struggles, whether it is bouncing back from injuries or not knowing who you are when it's over with, or just so many things that other people can really, really benefit from. Starting the podcast has been, and writing the book really stretched me, and it was a great experience, but starting the podcast has been the greatest thing I've done probably since I put a basketball down, honestly. I can relate, because it, it, it almost like allowed you to, if, it almost like allow, it's, like a, it's like allowing you to heal more. Yes, every single interview, I, I I tell my guests, they probably think I'm weird when we first get on the call. And I'm like, I'm fired up. It's like game day. Let's go. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> exactly. Because I, I, like, I, I believe that storytelling is like healing. You know, it's almost, mm, absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost like each call, it's almost like where either I'm the therapist or you're the therapist and we're just talking about life and just how we bounce back through this thing and and how like dang I went through a lot and I overcame it you know and you know I I've joked uh with some of my friends or even on Twitter about I gave the podcast the wrong name like the name of the podcast should have been sports therapy because that is literally what it is every conversation is is therapeutic and some of my guests you know we'll talk afterwards and they'll say oh my gosh I had forgotten about some of the stuff I overcame and some of the things I went through but we we walked through those stories and then I, I even have therapy in my dms like I need to go get uh get certified or something because so many people reach out like oh man this episode touched me and I was going through xyz but like you said it podcasting is therapeutic for sure and i love it i love it and it's so cool now that because like what year did you start your podcast last year so it's been uh been, been about a year it was may 2018 okay very cool i, I think i i started i think i started 9.1 in january so and, and, and it's just so cool to see how like since 2018, how many more athletes are starting to share their voice? Yeah, you know, and, and we're, we're all kind of. I think I think we're getting to the point where a lot, a lot of the athletes that are now, are now in our age group are starting to say, "I'm tired of not having the narrative told the right way." Yeah, because there's there's only one story, you know, we hear in the mass media, and that's everybody who quote unquote made it. I have air quotes around that, you know, some of the things that they deal with. But there are so many other stories that people can really, really relate to, and it's important to share everybody's story. Everybody's story is powerful. Exactly, I'm a big believer that every every athlete has a story that can find another athlete on their journey. Yes, and and I I think someone's gonna hear your story and they're gonna think wow, my, my home life isn't the best either, but but I, I heard Joy's story and she made it out. You know, Joy Joy made it out. Now she's, she went, she went now she's, she was a coach. She wrote a book. You know, now she's interviewing other athletes. She's really inspiring others. And I can be that. If I can do it, if I can come out of North St. Louis and like you said, write a book and podcast and, and coach and do things I never ever dreamed were possible if i can do it trust me when i tell you anybody can 
anybody. If you set your mind to it the same way you set your mind to playing college sports or getting that degree, you can do literally anything that you set your mind to if you focus on it and if you just put in the work and get it done. It's a mindset. Absolutely. And I think it's so cool hearing your story because it's like in our culture, you know, African-Americans, all we always see ourselves as athletes, music, that's about it sometimes. Right. And that's I think, it. That's it. And I, and I think this, the fact that you are sharing a light on how you're more than just, you know, the, what the mainstream label does have is showing, showing other, other young black girls or other minority girls that say, Hey, you know, like, the label the label society puts on you it didn't, it didn't have to be your story yeah i think that's you know, what you're doing yeah and i had a guest on my show who brought up some incredible points and talked about the fact that we don't see a lot of african-american scientists or engineers or lawyers or doctors in the media we literally see them with the ball in their hand or a microphone in their hand and as kids coming up we think that sports and music are literally the only way out and we we want to play on the team so we never consider things like being the engineer who who builds the arenas that they play in are just other there are so many other options maybe working you know in a front office for the nba or just so there's we can literally do anything and it is so important to share stories of the people who have made it because like you said that's not something that we see every day in our community and it's kind of funny because I, I was going on my phone the other day i'm like i was going through like some old notes and that was, that was one of the reasons why i got the idea for nine point because it was it was the summer of like 2017 and we're and we're seeing on the news like all these like killings you know on tv of you know african-americans and i was like there's probably probably so many kids out there that like like this young, young like just just like young black boys thinking that's gonna be the story, mm. you know. And I was like, there's there's no there's no platform showing African Americans, you know, doing big things, especially that are more than athletes. Because all you see is you see BET, but that's kind of a a one narrow street. Sometimes, you know, you see VH1, yeah. that's almost a narrow street because they're showing just. You know, low and hip hop, and it's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, <laughs> you know, but like, like, too like what's much the, love and hip hop is not good for anyone, exactly. You know, so it's like, what's the other narrative? So, I'm so glad to have you on just to, to share the narrative that is authentic and relatable, and that that is so real. And I think of another reason why I think that the book and the podcast and everything started. I love Stephen A. Smith. I love ESPN. I love First Take. And a lot of times you'll hear him talking about, you know, former players or current players who get into trouble. And he has this thing, you know, stay off the weed, man, all that kind of stuff, whatever. And we hear, and I I remember, and you talk about, you know, how we see the stories of African-American men being killed. And and that's, it seems like it's it's all we hear. And as much as I hate hearing those stories, I also hate hearing the stories of just athletes or former athletes who make it to, you know, a, a big time program or make it to the NFL or something. And they just get in trouble. Or maybe a player who recently, you know, retired or something. And we they don't really understand what to do with this extra time they now have. Or maybe they don't understand the magnitude of the opportunity that they have in front of them. And we don't really prepare athletes for anything outside of a game day. Like we give them these scouting reports. And, and I can say that as a coach, you know, we give them these scouting reports. We give them an itinerary. 
And we literally dictate their schedule, you know, for four years straight while their classmates are preparing to be young professionals, preparing to be accountants, preparing to be engineers. Whereas athletes, we just focus on the sports so much. And a lot of times when they get into trouble, you know, we criticize them, we talk about them, but we never adequately prepare athletes for the day that their sport comes to an end. And that's just another reason why I was like, you know, I got to get this book out. I got to get this podcast out because like you said, people need to hear those stories. And that's, that, that's the truth because I quit track. I, I quit track my, my, my junior year for, for internship. Cause I, cause I got really like, you know, like, you know what, I'm not going pro. I just mm-hmm. lost the conference last year by like a whole second and a hundred. And that's a long time. So I was like, let me go ahead and just hang it up. But, but I think too, it comes down to just the media doesn't want to show athletes doing more because it mm. you know because like think about like the whole like the Stephen A thing with the weed thing you know I'm sure there are athletes that should have not be doing that but what about the athletes that are hosting camps the athletes mm. that are that are, that are having you know community yes. things in their hometown ESPN they are that's not popular that right they're not, they're not showing that because it it it, it doesn't sell it, it, it's not it's, 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 I, I, I consider them more fan driven Mm, absolutely. And I, I want to make, and I, 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 I mean, I want, I want to be athlete driven because, like, yo, we gotta have, like, gotta show athletes like you that are doing stuff in the community that are showing that, you know, once the ball stops, doesn't mean your game stops. You can help help right. most get their game. So for you, as you're as you're going with this, with the, with the podcast, with everything you're doing, how do, how do you hope to advance what you're doing to expand community, whatever it may be? And it it might sound cliche, but I think that cliches are cliches for a reason. And I don't have the exact blueprint. I can't tell you from step one through 10 how it's going to happen. But I want athletes to realize that, hey, you have more than just one gift. You can do more than just knock down threes and catch touchdown passes. You should not peak at 21 or 22 years old. I don't want you to be 35 years old talking about, oh, I made the all-conference team freshman year. We want Look at my championship ring. That's great. That's wonderful. I'm glad that you went hard. I'm glad that you, you know, won championships. But what are you doing now? Like, what championships are you winning in life? And I think it is so important to help athletes to redefine themselves and to help them to do more. And for a while, people have been thinking that, oh, it's about getting them jobs because, oh, they might have blank resumes. They might not have this or have that. Having a job is not the end all be all. We were not put on this earth to work and pay bills for 40 years and die. Like, I want you to be able to have an impact outside of your sport how are you going to impact your community how are you going to serve people how are you going to use this amazing skill set that you gained as being a d1 athlete or playing pro or playing d2 like how do you take everything that you learned and package that together and look at your story and look at what you're passionate about and how do you how do you find that same rush that you had on the field in life that's what i really really want to do i want to help athletes to figure out what's next, figure out their purpose, because your, your sport, no matter how amazing it was, that wasn't really your purpose. And I hate to break it to you. That was your training ground. That is where you gain the skills that you need to thrive in life. So that's what I really want to do. It, it, it gave you a platform. Absolutely. Now, I love that too, because I love how you're saying all athletes, you know, it, it isn't just on the pro athletes. We can, we can all right. do it as, the D1, the D2, the JUCO, the NAIA, we all have the ability to make a difference no matter what 
the status was. Absolutely. So, so for you, okay. So, so you're you're you you're big on. I love how you said earlier that your word was inspiring. And like I'm in, like right now, I'm like right now, I'm I'm like hyping now talking with you. I'm just like hyped. I want to just <laughs> you know, change the world somehow. I don't know, but you got me hyped over here, Joy. But let's go. But so 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 this so this podcast of yours is it? Where, where is it at? iTunes, Spotify. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher, it's on Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you listen to the podcast, I got you. You got an iPhone, I got you. You got an Android, I got you. And listen on the web, I got you. I got you covered. Just type in Sets for Life and you will find it. Y'all, and, and her, her, her intro is fire. Like, like we're, 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 we're on the call. I was like, dang, she is like, y'all, it's Coach Joy. I was like, oh, snap. Oh. <laughs> I was like, she's bringing that heat oh, right now. God. I'm try I gotta try to, you know, give you some nuggets and entertain you. You know, you gotta wear a, a couple of different hats as a podcaster. So hey. For sure. So so one last two more questions for you. So if anyone listening right now that's an athlete, you know, current, former, whatever it may be, what would be like your a piece of piece of advice that you would give that you that you're, like, you're really passionate about? I'm big on really taking the lessons that you learn coaches, sayings, whatever practices you had and applying those to life. And my thing right now is get in the film room. Like, yeah, we want to, we want to practice. We want to, we want to get to game day, but until you get in the film room and break things down, and I'm not talking about your game, I'm talking about your life. Like, I want you to just take the time to reflect. We, we, as athletes, we're on the go. We're moving a hundred miles per minute, but we don't take the time to pause and you're never going to find your purpose or find your why. If you are just constantly on the go, 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 go. If you're just constantly on social media, seeing what other people are doing, you got to slow down, pause, reflect, and figure out what it is that you really, really want to do. So just take the time to pause and watch some film on yourself. Mm. That pause is key. Yeah. And then last question for you. So social media, websites, what are your, what are your links? We can go check you out. Yeah. On social, you can find me at sets for life. Three, one, four. I got a rep St. Louis. So I got the three, one, four at the end. The website is joywalker.com and that is joy with an I. So that's J O I walker.com. So that's where you can find me. Joy. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Like I can tell your heart in it. You know, it's like not just not, not you're not just saying stuff just to say it. You're you're, you're like living like yo, know, like I want to achieve all this stuff. So, props to you. And it, I, I can help any way. Please let me know. Well, thank you so much. And this podcast is powerful. I love that. Like you said, it's not fan driven. It is athlete driven because as athletes, we don't have that therapy. You know, we don't have that safe place because we're supposed to be cocky and confident. But what you are doing here is amazing, and I love it. It, it it takes all of us come together to really change change the culture. So that I'm glad to have you part of this. Thank you, Jacoby. I appreciate it. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete driven content at NinePoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.